Chapter 4 of Hard to Beat by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Bob and Kitty Confer on the Subject of Red Dog I should be glad to know your name, young gentleman, said Mrs. Dickens, turning to Bob. Robert Brooks. Thank you. I'm under great obligations to you for recovering my property, she continued with a grateful smile and you may be sure I shall not forget what you have done for me. That satchel contains fifty thousand dollars in money and securities. Fifty thousand dollars! exclaimed Bob. That is the amount. I was on the way to the safe deposit vaults to put the securities in my box when I was so unexpectedly attacked. I have no doubt I was followed from the bank. Gee, what a haul that fellow would have made if he had got away! Thanks to your alertness and courage, he did not, smiled Mrs. Dickens, admiring the handsome and manly young fellow who had proved so capable of coping with the unpleasant situation. I think you mentioned 129th Street a moment ago. Did you know my husband? He has been dead for nearly two years. No, ma'am, I did not. Here is my card, and she handed Bob a small oblong bit of white pasteboard. Of course, I will see you in court tomorrow morning, but after that I shall insist that you will call upon me at my hotel some evening soon. I'll be pleased to do so, answered the boy, putting the card in his vest pocket. I thank you also, Miss Barnes, for your kindness in inviting me into this office and thus relieving me of the disagreeable publicity I should have attracted on the street. Also you, sir, to Mr. Scrooge for the shelter of your reception room. I will now take a Broadway car for my hotel. Thus speaking, the lady bowed and left the place. Robert, do you know what Mr. Sharpley did with those certificates of Red Dog mining stock Mr. Edwards handed him before you went to lunch? Yes, sir. He sold them to me for fifty dollars. Sold them to you for fifty dollars, said Mr. Scrooge, evidently surprised. What do you want with them? I think I can use them, sir. So could we at this moment, if we had them, said the senior member of the firm. Of course, sir, if you wish me to return them, answered Bob in a tone of disappointment, I will do so. By no means, Robert. Since you have bought them, they are yours absolutely. I merely mentioned it because after keeping them in the office for nearly two years, I had a customer for them today. I could not find them and told them to call in the morning. You offered me five cents a share for the block. So there's a chance for you to make a handsome profit on your purchase. I should certainly advise you to accept it. The stock is really a dead one, with no selling value at all. I'll think the matter over, sir, replied Bob, who had not the least intention of letting the stock go, even at the advanced figure. He judged the customer must be Mr. Smithers, if he had entertained any doubts before as to the genuineness of the information conveyed in the letter he had found in front of the Continental Trust building that morning, the evident anxiety of Mr. Smithers to get possession of all the red dog stock he could find was sufficient to assure him that he had made a good move in buying those 10,000 shares on the supposed defunct mine. The only reason he wanted to meet Mr. Smithers was to return him the letter he had lost, which Bob judged it to be his duty to do, though he feared there would be an explosion on the gentleman's part as soon as he understood the boy was familiar with its valuable contents. I suppose I did wrong to read it, 
in the strict sense of the word, but it's too late now to get around that fact. Since I have acquired the information, I'm not doing any more than anyone else familiar with the value of such a tip would do under the circumstances. There is not a broker in the street, but would take advantage of any pointer he could get a hold of. They wouldn't worry over the means by which they got it. Any way of getting ahead, short of actually putting your hands into a man's pocket, is considered perfectly fair in Wall Street, and I dare say there are some methods in practice down here that I wouldn't be guilty of. By the way, Bob, said Kitty when she was putting the cover over a machine at afternoon at four o'clock, preparatory to starting for her own home in Brooklyn, did you put your money in a savings bank yet? Not yet. What's left of it is in the boss's safe. What's left of it? repeated the girl, looking at him sharply. What do you mean by that? You haven't been speculating again so soon, have you? No, Kitty, but I bought 10,000 shares of Red Dog mining stock for $125, which I may as well admit is something of a speculation in its way, but from the outlook it appears to be a good deal surer than investing in margins. Red Dog mining stock? said the girl. What's that? I don't think I ever heard of it. Probably not. It's a western mine that's been reported as having been abandoned two years ago, because, I suppose, it didn't pay to work it at the time. Where is it situated? Goldfield, Nevada. That's a good mining field, I've heard. That's right. But there have been a good many wildcat mines started on the strength of the real bonanzas. If this red dog mine was abandoned, it must have been because it was worthless. A wildcat, as you call it? What made you throw $125 away on its stock? Are you getting crazy all of a sudden, Bob? I hope not, Kitty. If you promise on your word of honor not to say a word to a living soul of what I'm going to show you, you may become as wise as myself on the present outlook of Red Dog. I promise to be perfectly mute, Bob, said Kitty, her curiosity all on edge. Read this, then. And the boy handed her the Smithers letter. Where did you get this? she asked after she had read it. I found it on the street this morning when Mr. Sharpley sent me to the Continental Trust Company. How can you be certain that this information is reliable? Because I know that Mr. Smithers has been trying to buy some of the stock. How do you know that? Mr. Scrooge told me he was here after a block of 5,000 shares the firm has had kicking around for two years back. Then he bought it, I suppose? He would have liked to have done so. What? prevented him. Did Mr. Scrooge ask too much for it? No. The reason was that Mr. Sharpley had sold the lot to me an hour before. Oh, Mr. Scrooge didn't know it at the time, but as he could not lay his hand on the stock, he told Mr. Smithers to call in the morning. Maybe you could sell it to him at an advance, suggested the girl eagerly. No, I could, and at five times what I paid for it, but I won't. "'Isn't that foolish on your part, Bob?' asked Kitty with some concern. "'Not to my way of thinking. "'If it's worth five cents or more a share to Mr. Smithers, it's worth more to me. "'I can afford to keep it and watch for developments in the mine.' "'Well, perhaps you're right,' said the girl, "'though it was clear she had her doubts about the matter. "'You ought to know more about stocks than I, "'but honestly, Bob, I wouldn't like to see you get stuck. "'Don't worry about me, Kitty.' All I ask is you remember your promise until I release you from it. The moment this information gets abroad, all the brokers will be trying to get a hold of some of it. Who knows but what it might go to a dollar a share or over. 
Wouldn't that be grand? exclaimed Kitty enthusiastically, for she took as much interest in Bob's enterprise as though it were her own. Take Tanapa Mines, for instance. Tanapa Mining was bid for lately at $14 a share. Montana Tanapa, two fifty-seven a share. Tanapa Midway, $1.45, and Tanapa Belmont, $1.20. What's the matter with Red Dog getting into the same company? They talked a few minutes longer on the subject and then bade one another goodbye for the day. Next morning, Bob, Kitty, and Miss Stevenson went to the Tombs Police Court together, arriving there a little after ten, and they took seats beside Mrs. Dickens, who was already on hand. The officer who had arrested the man Bob ran down noted their arrival and spoke to the clerk of the court. After a lapse of half an hour, the prisoner was brought to the bar, where he was joined by a nervy-looking lawyer who had been retained on his behalf. Addressing the justice, he said the prisoner waived examination. The magistrate nodded and spoke to the clerk, while the prisoner was led out of the court and back to his cell. The policeman then came over to Bob and the party and told them their presence would not be required that day, as the man was remanded, pending action on the part of the grand jury, before which they would receive due notice to appear and give their evidence. If an indictment is found against the man, which is probable, you will be subpoenaed by the district attorney's office to appear at one of the criminal courts of this building to testify at the trial. I should like to recover my property, said Mrs. Dickens. The satchel contains a large amount of negotiable securities and some money. You will have to make application to the district attorney's office, madam, said the officer, and with that Mrs. Dickens had to be content. End of chapter 4